Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 306 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a wonderful conversation with educator, author, Virginia Rowe. And we discuss with Virginia being a teacher, a grade school teacher for almost 40 years, about her recently published book titled Abuelita Rosalita and immigration, about compassion, having an open heart, about being an engaged citizen, a little bit about baseball, too. A great conversation with author and educator Virginia Rowe on today's program. We have an EW essay by yours truly titled Expressions and several poems read in the context of love by our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis. These poems are written by Ben Johnson and W.H. Auden. We also have another poem called Projecting. All of this, of course, as is always the case, will be infused, imbued with the energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 306 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Uh-huh. Sweet honey, darling, you know I'm 
My wife woke me up on a Thursday morning from a dream. I was in my Uncle Dominic's kitchen having a supper that he prepared. Along with us was Lady Gaga. We three got along very well together, celebrating the connection we all have to our Italian heritage. It was such a real feeling of warmth that I wrote it throughout my awakened hours that morning. As I worked problems on a wall-sized set of dry eraser boards, with my students in a pre-calculus course that I teach at a small private college in my mid-sized, post-industrialized city of residence. Actually, I wrote this as I leaned on the podium in our classroom while those good students were working on polynomial expressions. I wrote it on the back of an envelope from the YMCA that had inside of it an overdue membership notice. At this moment, I am transcribing and fine-tuning the original into my little fox-leather-bound book of E.W. essays, as it is set upon an ironing board positioned in between my wallet, keys, and jacket on its left and glass case in a aforementioned YMCA envelope on its right, the clothes dryer nearby emanating sounds of warmed cotton, polyester, buttons, zippers, and loose change. I am off to class again in a few moments, working with a difference quotient this morning. Thanks for supper, Uncle Dom and Lady Gaga.
Hello, Virginia Rowe. Is that you? <laughs> yes, it is. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Oh, well, I thank you for having me. I am very feel very honored. <laughs> oh, God, it's our honor. Uh, let me, before we get started talking, uh, share a little bit about you with the listeners. Virginia Rowe has been an elementary school teacher for more than 30 years. She is the author of the acclaimed book, Abuelita Rosalita, published by Austin McCauley. She lives in New York City. A short and sweet bio you sent me. <laughs> short and sweet, yes. <laughs> so how many years, 30 years teaching? What, let's start with what grade do you teach? Um, I've taught second grade boys uh, for 36 years now. Uh, at an independent school in Manhattan. And they're delightful. They keep me young, I guess, <laughs> at least in spirit. Yeah. Oh, God, they must. They th third grade, that's... that's um, Second grade. Or second grade for 36 years. That's that's quite... That's, uh, that's an age where they really... They're kind of like needy still, yet they're trying to find their own way, I'd imagine. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what they're like all day long. <laughs> well, my wife's a first grade teacher, so I kind of get it from her. She tells oh. me. Oh, well, there you go. That's great. And your work teaching for almost four decades, that was also something uh, that kind of fueled your desire to, to write, or are, they, are the two not connected? Oh, I, um, they're definitely connected. Um, I've always, since the time I was a little girl, I, I liked to write stories. It was sort of my calm place to go. Um, and I would enjoy just curling up and, and coming up with imaginative stories. But um, when I became a teacher, uh, I guess literature is something I've always, children's literature I've loved. And, um, but it's definitely fueled by the children I've taught and, and the things I see they need and the things they go through as, as kids. Um, so that's definitely connected. And you say it's all boys, so you're dealing with one sex. And it, uh, is it a diverse uh, group of students in terms of ethnicity and, and class, uh, race, things of that nature, religion? Um, I would say it's increasingly becoming more diverse, but it's more of a neighborhood school. Um, we have many, um, many children from many kinds of backgrounds, um, and um, there's a commitment in our school toward to that end to bring uh, to bring to make it more so. And I commend the school for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great uh, philosophy for sure, because the more experiences in a room of people, the more, uh, I guess, thorough and dynamic uh, the discourse, the interactions will be. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you've written, again, as I mentioned, this book that is really something else in terms of how people are are receiving it, uh, Abuelita Rosalita, and I guess that's a loose translation of uh, Grandma, right, uh, uh, Rosalita, um, and is, is this your first book? Um, it's 
it's the first one I've, I think I've put most seriously into. Um, it is a story that was actually based on uh, a love for my son's uh, babysitter when he was, uh, who helped uh, my family out so much. She was just such a great woman, still is a great woman, and um, I'm forever uh, in awe of the love that she gave. So really the inspiration came from that. And uh, this, so the book is fiction, but it it is inspired by this one individual. Yes, and her family. And mm -hmm. her family. Do you want to share her first name at least? Uh, Hilda. Yes, she was. Um, she took care of uh, my son Max, who's now thirty, uh, for all the time until he was probably up until third grade. Um, taking him to school, bringing him home, feeding him helping him uh, when he was an infant, and I first went back to work uh, when he was three months old. And she was a godsend. And uh, at a very uh, dark uh, point in my life, uh, she, was her, she and her family were a sustenance for us both. And I'm forever grateful to have known her <laughs> and her family. They're just wonderful people. And uh, her, she, if it, if her, if the book is any indication, she, her family is not from New York originally. Um, she, she and her husband were born in the Dominican Republic, and um, her, her children were born were uh, first generation. Uh, is that right? First generation. Yeah. They're born here. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, we we barely spoke to each other uh, in English. She always. Uh, had her, one of her children translate or her husband for me. And uh, yet I always knew what she was saying, and, and uh, I could just the sense of her goodness always shone through, even though I couldn't speak her language uh, very well at all. <laughs> I, I know that feeling. I've had that experience as well. I, uh, for uh, one summer in autumn, I traveled in southern France as a migrant worker picking fruit, and, uh, you know, I oh, couldn't, I, it was fun. Yeah, it was something that you could do when you're in your early 20s and you have no responsibilities. Uh, very privileged to be able to do that. And uh, I was hanging out with a lot of people from um, Northern Africa and, and French-speaking uh, people. And I don't speak pretty much any language other than English and, and uh, a little bit of Italian. So oftentimes the kind of communication that we had was by looking at each other in the eyes and, and sharing things. And, you know, uh, it, you do get a sense instinctually of, of goodness and of kindness and, and what, you know, another human being is, is trying to say to you. That's right. It, it really comes through in the, uh, the aura of the person and, and, and their actions and uh, the, the feeling they exude to you. And I was always touched by Hilda even after... My son, you know, no longer needed a babysitter. And um, so I really wrote the book uh, for them. That was my purpose. It's, it's a kind of a way to say thank you. And so the story is fiction to a, to a certain extent. It's, it's actually mostly fiction. Uh, what I did was I, I studied the, um, the Dominican culture, its food, its holidays, the, the country itself, um, as, as a tribute 
to their heritage. But actually, the, everything else about the story is completely fictionalized. Well, I know the story <laughs> does does revolve around, uh, again, Grandma or Abuelita, Rosalita, teaching, raising two children. I suppose they're, you know... Many gener- many generations into being uh, here on the on uh, the continent, uh, probably European American, and and this woman teaches them about family, about friendship, about her culture, her love. What, what, how did you how did you manage to do that with with some texture, with with layers, without oversimplifying or 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 you know stereotyping? Um, that's a good. A really good question. I, I hope I achieved that. Um, that would be very nice compliment if, if that's what uh, comes out of it. I, I, I tried to base it on people I knew, uh, experiences in the community in which I was living, which uh, had many uh, people of Hispanic heritage from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Ecuador. Um, it was a very diverse area, um, and uh, and you have to work at that. You just have to you have to see people as people, and um, a function of their families and the movements of their own life. So that's probably the best way I could describe what what I did, and um, and I had fun with it. It was a lot of fun to to do the research, and especially never having traveled to the Dominican Republic. Um, does that answer, does that answer the question right? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Very insightful and intelligent response. Um, I, you know, you can tell that it's a genuine and uh, probably a hard, a, some, a genuine approach that you took and, and a lot of hard work went into it, but a labor of love, I, I imagine, based on the way you're describing it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and now, when you'd mentioned the different neighborhoods that uh, you're teaching in and you're living in, uh, are you still living in the same uh, neighborhood now as you did when uh, Hilda was helping you out? Uh, no, I, um, I, I've moved a little further away uh, in Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn, and, um, but I don't live in that area now. I moved to another area, even though I'm still in the same borough. And then I work in Manhattan. So uh, there are lots of different neighborhoods I, 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 tra- I uh, travel across. And you see, you know, many socioeconomic differences and... Um, and yet people are people at the heart of everything. They all need love, and they all need um, representation, I guess. When you say rep- representation, in, in what way? Are you talking government? Are you talking, uh, I don't know, uh, social uh, sort of network? Uh... I think they, um, they need uh, to, to be seen as people as people who have the same struggles regardless of your background, who have the same joys, uh, who want the same things for their children, and um, to see their humanity. And, and it spreads, I think, more empathy and kindness. And that's what I, my goal is. Actually, what I try to do with my students all the time, so much of, and I'm sure your wife 
says the same thing about first grade. You spend so much time on social skills and and being part of a community, and I think that's all interconnected like that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That makes total sense to me. I, I teach um, at the collegiate level, so I have you know, 18 to 20, you know, something students. And even at that level, sometimes, you know, they're still figuring it out. That's right. That's right. It, ne- it's never, it never ends, I guess. No, me too. I'm still trying to figure it out to a great extent oftentimes. <laughs> but I could fake it a little bit better, maybe, you know, at this point. Um, again, folks, we're talking to Virginia Rowe here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And, uh, she is a school teacher and uh, an author, and we're talking about both her her experiences as a teacher as as an author, and obviously too, you're an engaged citizen. I can tell. I I, I try to be. <laughs> I hope I am. <laughs> I hope I make. Um, it's it all starts with the children, and it all starts at home. I think, and. Um, and that's where you have to go from, because <laughs> we're not alone on our our journey here. We're all interconnected in some way, and um, I think that that's what makes being a teacher to me the most rewarding, is building that sense of community that I have with my students. I'm sorry, is that my phone buzzing? <laughs> oh yeah, I was wondering what that is. <laughs> Maybe it's your agent. <laughs> If only, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. But building a community, you were saying, that's a big... Yeah, a big big part of it. And I think that's what books try to do, um, uh, is to make people see that whether it's an adult book or uh, a children's book, you're, you're trying to reach people and their heart and their sense of their relationship to others. Oh, just so that people realize that they're not alone. And I think that uh, lends for better men- mental health, too. Yeah, no uh, no doubt about that. Um, I was just going to ask you, you mentioned uh, whether a book is for children or for adults. Would you say that Abuelita Rosalita is a children's book or a book for adults? I I would say it's for middle middle age uh, middle school age children like four through sixth grade, that was my target at least. Um, it's not a book I would read to my 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 students now. I think they're too young for it, um, or they 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 might not appreciate all the the layers that that uh, of the the cultural and there's also cancer that's in the story where its family member is. Uh, coping with that. So um, I think it's more for middle school age children. And are you, fi- how, how long has it been out now? Um, gosh, I, oh, just since August. Yeah, I knew it yeah. was it was last summer, so August. Um, is it, I mean, there are so many books out there. Uh, a lot of great ones get overlooked. Uh, is it is it difficult getting uh, attention to to the book and maybe getting some schools to adopt it? I, I suppose that might be one of your hopes. It would it would be um, it would be lovely if that would happen. And but um, I'm sort of stumbling and going and learning as I'm going. Uh, and so uh, the team at Austin Macaulay has been very helpful 
uh, to me to, uh, you know, just like to be able to talk to you tonight. Um, it was led to through them. So that's been lovely and very, very nice for me. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, a lot of forward-thinking educators and just, you know, parents might be interested in a book that that deals with issues that are prescient. You know, I mean, I want I want to go there now. I, your book, I want, I'm wondering how how does it relate to the current situation and attitudes in our country involving immigration? Well, I, oh, that's a, a a challenging question, and I think I was think when you were uh, giving me the list of kinds of questions you wanted me to to answer for you, and I saw that. I said, hmm, gosh, I, uh, that's a really fascinating question. I, I, the, with immigration, this story uh, is, is talking about people who've come to this country and have uh, blended beautifully with a community that's already here and want to be part of this country, but holding on to some of the richness of their own heritage to share with others so you're only creating more of a wider circle of connection and um and just the, the commitment to to family and reaching out uh i think that's what our current uh difficulties with what the way people are seeing immigration is as we they've been maligned and uh they've taken the individual out of the equation, and the um, the focus on a family, the focus on on compassion and and empathy, and and that's unfortunately uh, been frowned upon, um, and it makes me very sad to see that. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. What would you say to someone who had one of the more intolerant, narrow views of immigration? You know, keep them out, stay, you know, in your own country. All those people are just going to bring bad stuff into our country. How would you respond to that mentality? Well, I would be pretty uh, forward in saying, you may have your opinions, but I totally disagree with you, and that my experience uh, with with immigrants from all walks of life um, has only been a positive experience. Uh, and I have to keep my heart open to the individual and not the generalizations that are being put out there. I think um, it's inhumane, and, and it's not what our country has, has stood for um, since the beginning. Uh, since the beginning of its, uh, the founding fathers and what they hoped to, to create from this country, even uh, all of us come from immigration at some point in America. And if we lose sight of that, we, we lose sight of um, the humanity. And you can't throw out everything because there are some, there are occasions 
that you have some very bad people. Um, I just think that having one outlook is is unfortunate and it's it's dangerous too. It's dangerous for the mental health of a country. Yes. And it's, and it's very soul, I guess, is what I'm thinking. And I know there are people out there that totally disagree with me, but I'm comfortable in my belief. Uh, I don't feel like I have to uh, fight someone on it, but I'm, I'm also very comfortable in standing up for it. Well, I, I agree with you, first of all, and I, I think, you know given what we've seen over the last couple of years in particular, though this sentiment has existed for a long, long time that we're talking about, but it's really been almost ex acceptable to, to air it more you know, openly and, and aggressively. I, I think you have to stand up and, and, and speak uh, these sorts of uh, insights and, and share what, what you just shared. Uh, otherwise, in a way, you're complicit that's right, and I, th I think um, it's important to uh, have a dialogue and not to shut each other out, too, and I think um, that's important. It's, it's how you work in a classroom, you know, how you work, how, how it works best in a family, too, is that you have to be able to listen to your children and var various points of view and come to some common sensible um, way of looking and not so uh, not so one way <laughs> right right <laughs> it's it's odd that we're we're ill at ease to do that outside of well maybe a lot of times we don't do it in, in our own houses I'm not sure um, I know most schools work toward that sort of uh, mentality, that openness, that, that acceptance, uh, trying to foster uh, communication and cooperation and, and analysis of, of uh, situations that occur. But then once we get out into the world and we start doing our, our thing, we forget or we don't think it's real or that stuff is fairyland. You know, the, the real world should be... Uh, you know, without that that mentality, that thoughtfulness, I, I don't understand why. I truly don't. I mean, I live in an ideal setting in my workplace. College communities are not like the real world in the way that you you interact, and the same with you. You know, uh, you live in an ideal setting in many regards as well, given the community you walk into every day. Uh, exactly. Yep. I feel very grateful for that too. Me too. Very very fortunate. Me too, and I tr I try to remind my students of how f how privileged all of us are in the room be at that moment, and not mm -hmm. to take it for granted. But what happens when we go out, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, you know, it's like when we go into the again, we go into the the quote unquote real world. We we feel we don't have to do that anymore, or do we play to the lowest common denominator? Is that what occurs? Well, that's that's what I try. I hope. Uh... I hope we have we have to fight ourselves. I think um, brace ourselves against that, so that we can be the best we can be. Um, and you know, it's also your your family dynamics. My my parents um, always their focus with all of us kids was to uh, have an open heart towards people, and that didn't mean you let people 
uh, run your life or you saw saw everything through a rose-colored glass, but it was um, it was just the way we were raised. Yeah, and that's a good way. That's a good way. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, now, before I forget, you know, we're believe it or not, we have just several more minutes uh, for our conversation this go around. Once again, we're talking to Virginia Rowe, educator and author, among other things. And uh, I, I'm wondering if you want to share some information so that people could get a copy of your book or, you know, get in contact with whatever you're doing, projects that are coming up. Um, I guess uh, it would be the book is available through um, Austin Macaulay, which is a, a British company. It, it's even an e, it's even on e-books as well, um, and the books are ordered directly from uh at this point right now uh, directly from the publisher um <laughs> and just uh, that's about all i know right now i'm sorry i wish i had more <laughs> no no that's fine and, and the, i'm going to spell out the title so people could write it down it's abuelita that's a b u e l i t a and then rosalita r o s a l i t a and again published by austin macaulay austin a u s t i n and macaulay m a c a u l e y um now what's next after this um well i'm working on um well one of the things i would love to see was to see if this book could get published in Spanish, because I think it would mean a lot to uh, people in the um, in the Spanish-speaking community. Uh, I think they would. I would think children would enjoy reading it. Um, but I'm working on another story now um, called uh, base. Uh, it's about baseball and bullying. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I'm almost finished with that, and I'll see where it goes from there. Um, I'm, that's what I'm working on right now. <laughs> what do you, at night when everybody is asleep, is that when you do your writing early in the morning? On the weekends, early in the morning, most in most vacations, um, I, I work. Uh, my, my summer break, I, I do a lot of writing. And then... Um, Winter break or spring break, I try to get in a couple of chapters here and there. So this story um, I have been working on for about a year and a half, but I'm just about finishing up the my first edit for it right now. And this would be a book for young, younger children, would, would in, I think, would enjoy it, first grade to third grade. So, um, and that, I was writing... So much because I, I teach boys, and a lot of the boys love baseball, and baseball is universal in, it, in its, your ability to teach from it because it's um, so ingrained in our culture, and it has so many metaphors uh, for expression. So I had a lot of fun writing it. <laughs> yeah, three strikes and you're out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure talking to you, Virginia Rowe. Well, well, thank you, sir. I thank you so much for for letting me on, and uh, I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, again, it was it was really a good time talking with you and hearing uh, what 
what makes you tick to a certain extent. And uh, you have a great energy. I really appreciate you sharing with us. And when the next book is done, let us know. If you like, we can talk again. And I love your radio show. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you. Have a good, have a good uh, rest of, of the week. You too. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.
Love Poems by Ben Johnson and W.H. Auden To Celia by Ben Johnson Drink to me only with thine eyes, and I will pledge with mine, or leave a kiss but in the cup, and I'll not look for wine. The thirst that from the soul doth rise doth ask a drink divine. But might I of Jove's nectar sup, I would not change for thine. I sent thee late a rosy wreath, not so much honoring thee as giving it a hope that there it could not withered be. But thou thereon didst only breathe and sent it back to me, since when it grows and smells, I swear, not of itself, but thee. Come, My Celia, by Ben Johnson. Come, My Celia, let us prove, while we may, the sports of love. Time will not be ours forever. He at length our good will sever. Spend not then his gifts in vain. Suns that set may rise again. But if once we lose this light, tis with us perpetual night. Why should we defer our joys? Fame and rumor are but toys. Cannot we delude the eyes of a few poor household spies? Or his easier ears beguile, so removed by our wile? Tis no sin love's fruits to steal, but the sweet theft to reveal, to be taken, to be seen. These have crimes accounted been. O oh, Tell Me the Truth About Love by W. H. Auden Some say love's a little boy, and some say it's a bird. Some say it makes the world go round, some say that's absurd. And when I asked the man next door, who looked as if he knew, his wife got very cross indeed, and said it wouldn't do. Does it look like a pair of pajamas, or the ham in a temperance hotel? Does its odor remind one of llamas, or has it a comforting smell? Is it prickly to touch as a hedge is, or soft as eiderdown fluff? Is it sharp or quite smooth at the edges? Oh, tell me the truth about love. Our history books refer to it in cryptic little notes. It's quite a common topic on the transatlantic boats. I found the subject mentioned in accounts of suicides and even seen it scribbled on the backs of railway guides. Does it howl like a hungry Alsatian or boom like a military band? Could one give a first-rate imitation on a saw or a Steinway Grand? Is it singing at parties a riot? Does it only like classical stuff? Will it stop when one wants to be quiet? Oh, tell me the truth about love. I looked inside the summer house. It wasn't even there. I tried the Thames at Maidenhead and Brighton's bracing air. I don't know what the blackbird sang or what the tulip said, but it wasn't in the chicken run or underneath the bed. Can it pull extraordinary faces? Is it usually sick on a swing? Does it spend all its time at the races or fiddling with pieces of string? Has its views of its own about money? Does it think patriotism enough? Are its stories vulgar but funny? 
O tell me the truth about love. When it comes, will it come without warning, just as I'm picking my nose? Will it knock on the door in the morning, or tread in the bus on my toes? Will it come like a change in the weather? Will its greeting be courteous or rough? Will it alter my life altogether? Oh, tell me the truth about love. I've got a crush on you Sweetie pie All the day and night time Hear me sigh I never had the least notion fall with so much emotion could you go could you care for a cunning cottage we could share the world will pardon I've got a crush, my baby, on you. But you had such persistence, you wore down my resistance. I fell, and it was swell. You're my big and brave and handsome Romeo. How I won you, I will never, never know. It's not that you're attractive, but oh, my heart grew active when you came into view. I've got a crush on you, sweetie pie, all the day and night time. Hear me sigh. I never had the 
fault with so much emotion could you cool could you care for a cunning cottage we could share I've got a crush, my baby, on you. Yes, I've got a crush, my baby, on you. Projecting. She eats a small powdered ball of fried dough as if there is an erotic compulsion masked or perhaps openly infused in the seemingly normal morning coffee room waiting for a meeting sort of behavior. Though, maybe I am projecting.
hungry Still the creek flies Muttering your name Now your face half lit Electronic You no longer need To speak your sentiments I no longer prefer And there you have it, episode 306 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, author and educator, community lover, Virginia Rowe. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Dr. Michael Pavise, our associate producer, for sharing two poems by Ben Johnson and W.H. Auden. Such beautiful love you share, all three of you. I also would like to thank these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Leon Bridges, Bambino, El Chicano, Stacy Kent, Laura Gibson, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. It's so wonderful to spend time with you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, let's try to enjoy this time. If you'd like to contact us and share some thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Either ewconundrum at radiofreebrooklyn.org or freespeak at wfte.org. Ciao, ciao.